My name is Belinda Granger and I'm the professional liaison for Challenge Family. I'm also known throughout the triathlon world as being a bit of a mother hen to the pro athletes. Of course, given the current circumstances, I've been thinking about the athletes a lot lately. So we came up with the idea of Coffee Calls with Belinda, which basically gives me and you an opportunity to check in with them all and see how they're all going. So welcome to the official Challenge Family podcast. I think it's time for a coffee. Okay, and welcome back to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I am on the phone this afternoon uh, with Laura Siddle, all the way from the UK. Now, I believe she's in the UK. Laura, is that correct? Are you in the UK? Or what? Is it, I, I is it difficult to keep up where you are around the world these days? <laughs> I am in the UK at the moment, yes. And it's actually, I'm looking out the window, it's blue sky and sunny, which is very rare for the UK at the moment. I'm, I'm not sure I believe you. I might need to get some photo evidence of that later on <laughs> after, after this call. <laughs> I'd love to say it's the wine talking, but I've just got, I'm just on coffee because it is morning time for me, but I'm hoping you've got a glass of wine at least drinking for me. Well, it's funny you should say that because as, as you know, it is after five o'clock. It's now 5.35 p.m. in Noosa in Australia. And I have a rule, uh, and it's a very hard rule, that I am not allowed to start my first glass of wine until after five o'clock. Um, set that rule, otherwise things could get ugly very quickly around here. So <laughs> if it's if it's usually the last coffee is before four, but the first red wine is after five. So you are right. I have already showered and I have a glass of red wine beside me, but I hope, <laughs> I hope you have a cup of coffee beside you. I do have a cup of coffee. It was <laughs> talking about wine. It was I think it got to two o'clock yesterday afternoon and I was thinking, <laughs> is it too early for a wine? <laughs> you are not alone there. I can't tell you how many uh, messages I have received from Beth McKenzie saying, is it one o'clock yet? And, and I've looked, I thought, well, what time is it? And I've looked, I'm like, it's 1.55. I'm like, oh, no, I think you need to give it at least another hour or two, Beth, steady up there. But, yeah, we have little jokes about it uh, on most days. Just anything you can do to get through this crazy time. Now, now, Laura, you're back home in the UK. Did you think that this is where you would be at this particular point in time or this particular uh, time of the year? Um, uh, very – no, I didn't. So I am um, – I mean, I haven't lived in the UK for – gosh about 13 years now and apart from coming back for the odd sort of few days holiday and visiting family um yeah I've not spent any time here I've definitely not ever trained as a triathlete let alone professional athlete and I mean I packed my bags on oh well we saw each other I packed my bags you know the middle of February drove yes. over to what challenge Wanaka um was at challenge Wanaka not racing but obviously was over there and then literally the day after challenge Wanaka flew to the states for a five-week five-week training camp with um my, my coach Julie Dibbons and the squad out there and so I was kind of only <laughs> expecting to be away <laughs> from New Zealand for five weeks and um oh. yeah now here I am back in the UK for kind of the unforeseeable future at the moment and um I did have a bit of a panic yesterday as I mean look I'm an athlete most of my life I spend in training clothes anyway um but yeah I did kind of look around going oh it's fine you know I've, I've got training clothes it's only what I'd normally wear anyway and then went mm, you did only pack for five weeks of training camp and being a training camp so you don't have very much other selection and oh. um yeah so it's 
yeah interesting times having said that my I'm living with so I'm living with my sister um, and her and her family so um, who are in the next door village to my mum and dad but mum and dad are over 70 and they are fit and healthy touch wood and and in a in a super good place but um we just didn't know with me coming back from the states and things like that whether it wouldn't be necessarily the best idea for me to be going and living with them so my sister very kindly volunteered and she's got a great setup which I'm sure we can we can go into but the the thing I was saying was that my niece who is 11 actually I hand her a lot of my old sports kit and all of my old clothes so everyone all my sisters have been laughing saying you you can just borrow back back. amazing they'll start calling you an Indian giver you don't want that (laughs) oh you poor thing I know what it's like oh so move back to the, the UK it's funny you touched on that, having your parents living so close. And I know you're close yeah. to your parents. I've met your beautiful parents many times. Yeah. I was talking to Dylan McNeese not too long ago, and he's in the same position where he lives in Christchurch. He's only about 100 metres up the road from his parents, but he's not able, with the strict rules that they have in, in New Zealand at the moment, he's not even allowed to go over and see his parents, go over to their house. He's, yeah. Uh, whether he wanted to or not, whether he was thought it was safe or not, it's just not allowed, and that must be such a strange feeling. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's been really weird because obviously when I when I'm normally back in the UK, I, I do stay with mum and dad, and obviously yeah, they travel to some of the races and so see each, see them sort of a few times through the year. And now I think you know I, th- I think I think mum and dad were and all my family they were happy I was going to be back in the UK over this period um I think when I sort of had to break it to my mum that probably wasn't going to be living with them I think she did find she understood but found it a bit tough um and yeah now then being back but not necessarily being able to see them I mean I have I have been round to their house because I did have to I did try and pick up some some stuff but we did it where you know, they were at one side of the house and I went in through a different door and grabbed some stuff and came out and then told them to go and clean everything down. And I was obviously wiping things down and hand sanitizer. And then I've seen them from like, we've gone round and we stood in the garden with them sort of standing in the house and so at distance. So, I mean, that, that's been good. I can kind of seen them, but it's been hard because then you're seeing them, but you can't have any physical Crazy. contact and it yeah. almost makes it it almost makes it worse kind of thing exactly um, it's, it's like dangling so yeah. A carrot, yeah. yeah 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 not totally. being able to eat it yeah I, I'm the same yeah. with my parents um you know obviously my dad is turning 80 this year um oh, yeah. and so he and, and he's reasonably fit but he's got a few ailments that you know at the end of the day regardless of whether they're, they're, they're fit it. exactly so when I go over there, because obviously my sister, they own a, quite a big property and my sister's house is, and her partner's house is just down the back of that property. So I go over to see, to do some workouts with my sister a couple of times a week. And again, same as you, talking to my parents, I'm outside in the, in the, on the lawn and they're yeah. behind the, the, you know, the screen door and it just, it just feels weird. And I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I'd rather just talk to mum on the phone, to be honest. So. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to make that effort as well um even though yeah I'm what around the corner so to speak now compared to where I normally am around the world but even ringing her ringing them every ringing mum and dad every day uh, or skyping every day just to have that have that and for them as well like oh absolutely you know they're really 
they're really, you know, like I said, they're in their seventies. Touch wood, they're they're fit and healthy, and but they're really social people. Like mum would be out playing tennis four or five times a week, and they have their Friday night drinks at the pub with friends, yep. you know, with friends. They're friends that have been friends of theirs for for seventy years, and par- their parents and parents were friends and stuff like that. So they are, and they, you know, we obviously it's Easter coming up. They were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what is funny, like my family go down to Cornwall every Easter and it's a place that's very like got good place in our hearts for all for the whole family and this is like the first time I've been back in the UK over Easter for years and of course we can't even can't do anything. we can't even go down to Cornwall I'm like oh, oh that's <laughs> awful all right well yeah. you know it's um yeah you know, uh, Luke McKenzie's dad turned 70 I think yesterday or the day before and he had a huge party planned of course that my parents were going to go to and that got all that got cancelled and you could just see they're all fine with it but you know deep down I mean a 70th yeah. birthday buddy's a big deal um yeah. so I really felt for them yeah it's my it's mum and dad's gosh now I'm being put on the spot I've put myself on the spot here I could have put my own foot in my mouth um it's their 50th wedding anniversary in where are we in July? So in a couple of months time. And obviously they had, we'd got quite well, relatively, you know, big, relatively big family party get together. I mean, it, it, that may still, may still happen. happen. I, I, I doubt it, but let's fingers crossed. But yeah, for them, that's, you know, that's a big, a big thing for them as well. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it's just does. funny. It, I mean, we did a, I think we did sort of a, a, a family, like everyone's doing now but you know a family Skype or a family Zoom meeting the other day but and then like my other little niece Molly who's five she lives with my other she's with my my other sister's daughter and they're in Derby which again isn't too far away but she was getting all confused because she thought everyone was in the same room apart from her and everything oh, and, no. <laughs> and then obviously just trying to teach sort of parents technology and get yes. them on zoom so you know so mum can do pilates her pilates class but via zoom meeting zoom. on a Wednesday yep. kind of thing and and that sort of thing's been been funny when you can't sort of physically show them what to do yeah mum's the same with her um with her class, with her yoga class. And, yeah, I mean, thank God we have Zoom. I don't know what we did without it. I mean, honestly, it's been the greatest thing on earth. Uh, I think everyone's using it for an array of different things, whether it be exercise or parties. Um, I know one of my friends in Austria has been doing, um, they've been having virtual parties every Friday night and they all get dressed up. Yeah. And it's it's oh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Now, listen, getting back, let's go back to the very start with you because obviously we first met back in Kona in Hawaii. It was actually Hawaii 70.3. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, of course it was. Yes. <laughs> but but I, can't, I can't remember the year. So you have to. 20, 2013. 2013. Okay. And you were still racing age group then, yes? Yes. Yes. And I think I remember that was a that was a that was a breakthrough race for you because I I think I remember you were second overall that day was that right second? I was yeah I was second I mean obviously and I you know age group racing is different to the pro racing but yeah I crossed the line behind you um and you were racing pro and and I was racing age group that year I tell you what I you might have been racing age group, but that doesn't matter. You were still giving me a bit of a scare. I remember having to look behind <laughs> quite a few times to make sure you weren't getting me. But um, yeah, well, I think a- I think the I think the commentator got quite confused when I came across the line. 
<laughs> well, actually, I think the commentator got quite confused when I came across the line because, you know, that I was... was a, yeah, Brie, Brie went the went wrong, the way, wrong and way. And and I remember thinking that I was actually second and it wasn't until someone said, no, no, you're first. I'm like, no, I know I'm in second place. Um, but I hadn't realised that Brie had gone the wrong way. That was that was a pretty weird, weird year, that was for sure. But um, how long after that race did you decide... Uh, that it was time to turn pro or to, have, to at least try and see how you would go as a professional athlete? Yeah, so that race was, where was it, sort of end of May, June time, I think, of 2013. And I kind of started be thinking in 2013 that I there was a potential to turn pro, but I'd been racing age grouper and mainly over the Olympic and sprint distance at that point. So that race in Honu, the 70.3, was my first proper attempt at a 70.3 I'd say so uh, um and having moved back up to that distance with a view to going this is the distance that I'm gonna have to be racing if I turn pro so let's give it a proper crack um and so obviously had a good race there and that qualified me it actually qualified me for Kona and for the 70.3 world champs and I turned yeah I turned the Kona spot down at that on that race because again I'd been training for halves and the full distance wanting to do that properly um, wasn't just in my, it wasn't sort of on the radar yet. And also I'd got the focus at that point of going to, I wanted to go to 70.3 Worlds in Vegas in September. And then it was the ITU World Championships in London the week after Vegas. And I hadn't raced, hadn't ever raced in the UK before doing triathlon because I'd started it when I was living in Australia. So I wanted to go back to London, race in the UK and also defend, I was age group world champ from the past ah, three, okay. uh, three years. So so at that point doing Honu, it was, yeah, it was kind of a great validation of, okay, I might be doing something in the right direction. I've won overall female amateur on paper and ranking up there with the pros um let's go to vegas let's do the world champs there let's go to london and then we'll kind of assess things after that and it was then yeah and it was after yeah after vegas and london that i got my i did decide to go for it and i got my pro license and i think my first pro race was noosa um which again okay which was Olympic distance so again not really where I was going to be heading but you know it's just such a great race and um and I actually did it with a good friend so Kim um Kim Jenk Jenka I would never pronounce the surname we both raced age group in um and actually that's her maiden name not her married name but we both raced age group in Vegas and then we both turned pro at a similar time and we both raced Noosa for the first ah, time as a pro as a pro yeah it is a good race, though. It's still one of my favourite races of the year. Oh, so, it has to be. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping, yeah. because it's so far away, and, you know, not to the beginning of November, that we have got this, we've sorted it. The world has sorted it, it's sorted its shit out, and we are actually going to be back racing in November. Let's hope. Yeah. Kim Coogan. Coogan. Kim Coogan, of course. That. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, they're going to kill too. me now for not remembering her. <laughs> <laughs> Pete's going to kill me. Hey, you've, we're forgiven of everything at this particular point in time. Yeah. There's no, no mistakes can be made. Now, you were based in Bondi, so my old train, my old haunting grounds, back back in the day. So when you first turned pro, you were training in Bondi in Sydney. Is that correct? 
yeah, yeah, initially. So yeah, I moved over to Australia at the end of 2007 to beginning 2008 with my corporate job then at the time. Um, had no idea what and, and that was moving to Sydney so right. um, I went there with my job and was living there had no idea what triathlon was um, but as you do when you get to Australia most people do triathlon like yep. they would go <laughs> for a Sunday walk um, <laughs> so got kind of sucked in and yeah and so then was living and training with with or started with the Bondi Fit and with Spot Anderson and very much your old um training ground and uh and things like that and herbie and all of those old guys that that were around there and and are still around these days uh they're good value i still actually i'm still keeping contact with um herbie he comes over to the laguna phuket triathlon in uh in uh, phuket thailand every year yeah. he's hilarious has, has never changed has never changed no. <laughs> but so, it just, yeah, I was, sorry it, no, it just makes me laugh, Laura, because, it, I mean, you started exactly where I started as a triathlete, you know, part of the Brat Club, um, yep. training with the same same people. Um, I got into it for exactly the same reason, just it's impossible not to get into triathlon when you come from that, when you're based in that area. So um, it's just funny to think that my old hunting grounds are yours. Yeah, I know, that's it. And it was, and it was funny because, you know, obviously – I was very new into the sport, but then as I got more into it and got to know more people and then your name would come up and then getting <laughs> like with the Brat Club and things like that. So um, and it was a great place to to be and living and working and then also being able to do the sport at that point as a hobby yeah. and being in Sydney was just amazing. And yeah, um, yeah so I um, I so I yeah, I got my pro card end of 2013 beginning of 2014 and was still in Sydney at the time and I'd gone down to three days a week at work which I you know my I had a fantastic boss who was allowed me to do that and was really supportive but I think I just kind of felt that if I was going to do this properly because I was a lot older than most I guess at that age you know I was at this point 33 I think it was because I'd only started the sport at 29 Um, and I just thought trying to do this full time in which is what I wanted to do if I was going to if I was going to give it a proper crack I needed to commit fully trying to do that full time in Sydney if I stopped working with the cost of living over there and and also just um it was still it, it was a largely age group environment and I wanted to be with other professionals yes. in an environment where I could learn and so I um looked at a load of coaches and spoke to Darren Smith at the time who was you know fantastic Australian coach in the ITU world and he gave me some great advice and really off the back of that sought out Mac Dixon over in San Francisco oh, okay and yep that's right went over yep. and spoke to him and sort of I guess had a, a week's interview or trial and then um yeah literally sort of came back so resigned from my job sold everything I owned and then, yeah, moved to moved to the states beginning of April. I think probably around this time, actually, April May twenty fourteen. Wow! Wow! Yeah. What a what a I, huge move! Um, yeah, I remember I had been in San Francisco a week, and Matt sent me down to Wildflower Triathlon as my first first race over there. Just a week after being in the country. Hey, let's be not, let's be honest. Not a bad race. Not a bad first oh. race to do though. Wow. Oh, yeah, I mean, again, one of those iconic races of the sport and would love to see it back and surviving as, as well. 
And of course, with Spot Anderson, I think he's still he is still coaching. Still, I haven't seen Spot <laughs> in a long time. There, he is coaching. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as with many. His coaching is very much based on group sessions and that and that group environment and and a great community and obviously so he's been hit like many people have pretty hard at the moment but yeah he's still he's still coaching he's still trying to beat everyone out the I'm sure he'd probably still say he is beating everyone out the water in the in the <laughs> surf, body sur, body surfing oh. championships. <laughs> oh, he's a, but you know what a lot of people don't <clears throat> realize is that uh, Lisa Norden. Back yes. when I was training back down there, Lisa Norden actually started her triathlon yes. career with Spot Anderson and spent a huge amount of time um, yep. living in Bondi and training around Bondi when she was just starting out. So, yeah, um, Spot taught her to swim. Yeah, I still remember. I remember. I remember meeting Lisa when she was just a she was a baby, a teenager, and yep. to see to see where she's where she started and where she <laughs> progressed to is nothing short of you know, miraculous and, um, you know, she's one of the best Olympic distance athletes in the world. And now, of course, she's a very, very good half distance athlete. So some pretty good athletes, you, pretty good athletes have come out of little Bondo, I think. It's not bad. <laughs> they've got, yeah, I think they've probably uh, hit, uh, I don't know, hit above their weight. I don't know if that's what you call yeah. it. I don't know. It's it's just, um, you know, Australia and, and for me at that time, Sydney, it's just, uh, and the same, you know, for Noosa as well and probably yeah, more true. so in Noosa, um I think as an age grouper living in Sydney, it was just amazing because I had my corporate job, but then I just had this fantastic, these fantastic beaches and this lifestyle of being outside and training. And, you know, you've got that in, in Noosa as well. And I just think that's such a, oh, it, it's so lucky being in Australia and New Zealand yeah. and to have that sort Same. of, yeah, yeah, lifestyle and stuff. Yeah. And, and going back to New Zealand, glad you brought that up again. Uh, obviously, if you were to say where you spend the biggest chunk of the year, it would be yep. in Christchurch in, in New Zealand, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is now. So I, I kind of based myself with Matt in San Francisco for a couple of years, but I, I, I never, I just never really, again, San Francisco is a great city, but it's a bit like Sydney. It's yep. ridiculously expensive for a, a new pro with no, no. With no money or yep. no earnings. So um I ended up going to New Zealand to work with um, Paul Buick, who was working with Matt at the time as a cycling coach. And I just got back to the Southern Hemisphere and it was like, it was just like this weight came off my shoulders and I just yeah. felt so much more relaxed. And so, yeah, then from there, sort of started spending more and more time in Christchurch. Um, I guess now I sort of split my time about six months, six months between Christchurch in New Zealand and then Girona in Spain. Sure. Um, but yeah, but over the last, yeah, four or five years, gosh, crazy now, um, a lot of time has been in, in Christchurch and I, you know, I probably, I probably, I was, when I was in the States and all this was kicking off and I was thinking like, where do I need to get back to? And actually wasn't able to get back to New Zealand because I'm on the wrong kind of visa. Oh, right, <laughs> so, yep, yep. so, um, but a lot of my stuff is still there being looked after by various <laughs> people um, and hope to at some point be able to get back there depending but my visa expires in six days so oh, I need to cross that okay. I need to cross the cross that bridge I mean I hope I should be able to get back in on a on my British passport and now be on a visitor's visa rather than a resident but um yeah they they restricted they were restricting people but yeah New Zealand and, and again I love it it's 
very similar it's that just it's super relaxed and chilled place um great training just again that sort of love of outdoors and activity and um and and yeah and, and good coffee oh, <laughs> always prior always I judge, judge my coffee. places on the coffee Good coffee and good red wine. You're the same as me. I'm a simple. I'm a simple Very person, true. Laura. Just yeah. like simple things. Um, but you you brought up another question uh, that I was going to ask you about Girona. So obviously that's become a bit as as we talk about Noosa and Boulder being triathlon meccas around the world. Uh, Girona's become a bit of a triathlon yeah. mecca as well. I mean, probably mainly thanks to Jan Fredino, obviously basing himself there and now, of course, living there pretty much year round um but there are lots of lots of other triathletes that are uh basing themselves there during the european summer as well yeah more and more so so when i first went a few years ago it was still predominantly cyclists there and obviously just huge amounts of pro cycling teams and there are a few triathletes obviously jan and and david mcnamee and then some of the ITU squads, but they base themselves more sort of down the road at Bagnola. So Girona is is still pretty quiet from a triathlete perspective. But yeah, in that like the last summer when I was there, it was a lot of the teams have now literally are actually moving into Girona. And I know, you know, so many people I've been speaking to the or the back end of last year were saying, yep, we're coming to Girona in the summer and and everything like that. And I, and to be honest, I was literally a day away from booking a flight to Girona to have my shoulder replated oh, by the surgeon. Right. And I was I was speaking because that's where I had it plated last year. And so I thought, right, if I'm gonna go again, I've got to have go it plated to, again. By the Let's same go back person, to the, of course. Yeah, yeah, to the same surgeon. And I was literally about to book a flight there and I was talking to friends over there and I said, look, and it, things were just starting to kick off. So I kind of rang them and I was like, look, what's the situation? Are they going to be closing things? And I'm thinking about this surgery and I, and, every, and they're like, no, no, we think you're probably good for another week, 10 days kind of thing. So if you could get back here, get the surgery, et cetera, et cetera, you're probably going to be okay. Literally the next day, things went through the roof and Ugh. everything shut borders were shut they went into lockdown and everything like that and I was like I am so glad that you didn't <laughs> I go did through not book. book that flight Oof. yeah yeah wow or not even book but just even like get there and then find yeah. that surgery was cancelled but then I couldn't leave sort of thing so I mean they're going through a real real tough time at oh, the moment are. I think they are yeah. they're in their third week of complete complete lockdown they can't even go out to exercise they Mm. can walk their dogs but now that's been restricted to like a 200 meter radius around their house they can only get their food but even going to the supermarket they get stopped by the police and say could you not go to one nearer or why are you out and all that I mean yeah feel really feel for those guys yeah, I've um obviously one, we've got quite a few of our of the Challenge Family race directors uh, from Spain, and one of our main main guys from Challenge Salou, Juan and Fernandez. Yeah, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous man. Yeah. Um, and of course he had he was one of the first Challenge events that had to be uh, cancelled and postponed till later in the year. And speaking to him on a Monday night, and it's just honestly, it makes me want to cry sometimes. I think. Yeah. You know, I complain sometimes here, but we are in Australia. We're going through nothing compared to to the likes of Italy yeah. or, or Spain. I I can't even I I literally can't even think of what their reality is like right now. It's that I know, bad. I, I mean, even even compared to here in the UK, you know, we're oh. 
although I have feelings it's going to change in the next few days but at the moment we're still allowed out for you know one one form of exercise a day and right um obviously you know shops and medicine although you know I wanted to go to the shop with my sister the other day and she was like no you, you know it should be one of us and I was like yep fair call and and so doing that kind of responsibly but um and yeah and lucky at the moment that we are allowed out for one form of exercise so I've been using that as my running but yeah, yeah for Spain and uh, but the thing that's impressed me about Spain is that you look at any professional athlete over there and they have not complained one no, bit no I haven't they heard are one. all no. accepting it they are le- like and this is all like, if you think about the number of pro cyclists who are there the number of pro triathletes are there and I you know I heard the other day that Mario Mola, he doesn't even have a treadmill at home. Wow. So he all he has is his bike. And he, you know, he's potentially Olympic champion. Yeah. Um, yep, yep, yep. And he is, but you don't see any of them complaining no. and you don't see any of them abusing the rules. And they are all acting like role models and ambassadors and supporting it. And I think that's, I think people should take note of that. And that's a real big thing to, uh, totally to take agree. on board. Totally agree. I mean, obviously, I follow Jan Fredino on Insta and and nothing but professionalism from all of the pros. And, you know, I'm sure behind closed doors they have little they have the little meltdowns as they're allowed to. Um, yeah, we all are. Like we all <laughs> Where's are, the wine? Right. That's oh, the that's wine. Right. Oh, we all have our different our different coping out strategies. But, yeah, you, you're dead right. And I, and I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. But, you know, I, I haven't seen one negative at all. And it's they know they're, they're all in it together. And the, the sooner we all get on board and do the right thing, hopefully the the quicker this will all be done with and i mean there was some promising news that i did see today that they they think that they may have a combination of antibiotics that is that does look like it's going to it's treating it correctly that it is getting rid of it i mean obviously early days but it's just little snippets know, of cool. hope that we need yeah. just to get us it's, through the next week or the next month you know it's funny though cuz um you know when you look at it from one point of view it my life okay yeah I'm in the UK and I haven't lived here for 13 years and I'm living with my sister and her family and I'm sure at some point the shit's gonna hit the fan and we're gonna have an argument and all the kids are gonna get bored of me because they've got Auntie Laura living with her and she's quite boring because she's she has a treadmill which is exciting because I I panic bought a treadmill not loo roll um and all this sort of thing but actually my life isn't that different like i normally okay I'm not going out riding my bike but I'm still training and okay I'm not swimming but I'm I'm still training and I'm then catching up on all the other stuff the admin side of the sport that I'm doing and quite often I live in a little bubble that is my triathlon world and I don't read the news that lot and I don't actually watch a lot of telly so you kind of can go through a day or a couple of days forgetting what's going on that there is actually a horrible thing happening yeah yeah, and life is fine and I'm you know in the garden or whatever and maybe on the odd occasion the sun is I can see the sun in the UK and it is blue sky and not grey and then like you'll flick onto social media and you'll go oh shit oh shit this is actually happening in the world out there and it's real and it's yeah it's a bizarre kind of yeah like that reality of of what's going on versus your own little life and then you have these conversations it's all yeah it's it's such a bizarre weird time well I was I was going through my days by getting up every morning, turning on the news, yeah. being so oh, depressed. 
No, being so depressed for the entire day, finally coming to terms with it by the afternoon, you know, with the help of a couple of glasses of wine, going to bed, yeah, going to bed feeling quite good about my my life yeah. and the world. And then that same bloody thing the next morning, get up. So I said, that's yeah. right, from near on in, two or three days a week, I'm not turning on the bloody news because yeah. I know what it's going to be and I just, I don't watch it. So particularly on the weekends, I refuse to watch any news on the weekends um, because I want the weekends to be what they've always been, which is time with, fa- well, used to be time with family and friends. Now it's time with my my little family, which is my husband and my two dogs, uh, yeah. my sister. Uh, and then, okay, during the week, I'll catch up and see what's going on in the world. But it's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you just end up spiraling oh. out of control. And it's just, you, now I see why people get into this whole big thing of depression because it's yeah. freaking depressing. I do. I, and I probably do it a worse way around because I'll look at social media and I'll catch up on, I'll go, oh, you probably should realize, you should probably should read about what's going on. So I do it at night before I go to bed. And then, oh, of course, you go yeah. to bed in a massive stress. Not a good idea. I did see there was something that you, you posted the other day on Instagram, a very funny caption, which had like a coffee mug with a running baton handing it to a wine glass and going this is how I feel every day just a coffee going to the wine and I'm like yeah yeah I totally and it so it's again living with my sister and you know I'm meant to be the athlete and then I get to the end of every day and I'm like I need a a glass of wine and then but I don't I don't say anything because I'm like oh they don't seem to be drinking or they don't and I don't want to be a bad influence on them and then I'm thinking you're the one that's you're the one that's promoting it and it was it was funny like the first few days I was here it was a bit like I was here for that short sort of holiday time and then I think you know as the weeks go on and it's kind of got to be okay right now this is long term and you're more housemate than than holiday guest sister (laughs) maybe we we should but yeah I'm the one that's getting to the end of the day going oh I would just like a glass of wine, and but then I don't say anything because I'm meant to be there. <laughs> oh, you need to, you need to be here with me. You need to be here with me. It would be, it would be no problem getting that glass of wine. Let me tell you. Um, we've got, um, we've got a sorry, we've got a, a group ride next Friday with the JD crew. So it'll be morning time for them, and then it'll be afternoon for for me. And Matt Bottrell's going to lead it and stuff, and he's over here. And it's about, and it's, but it's Easter Friday, and it's about. I think the ride will be about four o'clock for me. And I messaged Julie ooh, going, ooh. I realise I'm going to be drinking wine while we ride, do this ride on Friday. Easter Friday? Come on, exactly. Of course you should be. Friday, she, Friday night, four o'clock. I hope she understands. Far out. Well, it's funny, you know, it was actually a, an age group athlete, quite a well-known age group athlete in Australia, Joe Coombe, who originally put that Insta yeah. post up. And I did steal it from her because it was so appropriate. The- to my the life one right you, now. The other one you put up, which is like, which I copied as well, or and I, I want to repost, is the um, it's a wine glass as a mask, and I'm face actually mask. doing it now, which you can't see as a face <laughs> mask with red wine, and I just want to repost it, saying, do they also do this in bubble format? Because oh. let's just get on the champagne. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could do it in any format we wanted. That's that's <laughs> that's the beauty of this. But it's um, yeah. I, I was actually talking to uh, Steph Hansen from WitsUp.com, and I know you know Steph very, very well, yeah. very good friend of ours, and also another lovely lady from um, Melbourne, Jan Cameron, who I'm. Uh, do you know Jan as well, Jan Cameron? I don't, I don't she's know a, Jan. She's a she's a great lady. And she uh, she actually came up with the idea because I think we're all on the same boat, the three of us at the moment, with the coffee straight into the uh, red wine. And we thought we'd come up with a new sport, and it's actually the transition. So we've been timing ourselves. I kid you not. We started it yesterday, <laughs> timing ourselves 
making a coffee, and we had to film it so we didn't cheat, making a coffee and then going straight into opening a bottle of wine, pouring the a bottle, a glass of wine, no spillage. If there's spillage, then that's, that's uh, Down a time penalty. Um, <laughs> and I, I think Steph and I are even, we got it to 110. So one, one minute 10, we've got, Got, got it down to, but I won't be happy till I get it to sub one. So I've got some work to do. <laughs> but this is a real thing, Laura. This is a real thing. It's it's going to be a thing because no one can go out and race. I mean, I know they've got this bloody virtual racing that everyone's doing, but this is this is much yeah. this is much better. This is much better, much much more appropriate. And and in uh, lo- with how the world's feeling right now, I think our sport's going to really take off. Yeah, uh, look, yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think it's going to be a winner. I think we're going to see like. But I, I tell you what, you lot can race. I'll do the live commentary, and you we'll can. have you on like Great. Skype versions. We actually are looking for commentators. Uh, we just got to come up with the rules. So there's a couple of stand down penalties. We're still trying to work out what's a stand down penalty, what's actually a timed penalty in the penalty box, because there will be penalty boxes, of course. Um, <laughs> and you know whether we go with cork or Stelvin. I mean, I said cork. I said it's got to be cork. Anyone can yeah. crack a Stelvin. Anyone can crack yeah. a Stelvin. <laughs> Five-year-old child can crack a Stelvin. So we're, we're still sorting through the rules, but we'll give us another few days and we'll have it down pat and then we will re- we will release it to the world. I think that sounds like a much better option for virtual racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure we're going to get much uh, sponsorship behind it, but that's okay. I'll be happy if someone just sponsors me in coffee oh. and, and wine. That's all I'm looking I was going to say, I've been more than happy if there was a coffee company in a, a vineyard that were going to sponsor me. I have been my favorite. My favorite wine in the world is um, Mount Difficulty, which is oh, down in wine. or just outside of Wanaka, and so I keep keep trying to plug them and get them to sponsor me. <laughs> Love it. No, that is very good wine. That's uh, uh, I, all right. We're going to work on that, Laura. We're going to work on that. And then, now, and then, any any one of the local, well, and not local, but any one of the coffee roasters, again, more than happy to. Uh, actually, yeah, there's three. I can do. I can do a wine company. That would be great. A coffee bean, or a coffee, ca- or a cafe, or a roasters. That would be good. And then Soda Stream. That would be my third one. Just you know, keeping keep it all balanced between you know, alcohol, coffee, caffeine, and and water hydration. And hydration. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I, I like I like your thinking. I like yeah. that you sent. I like that you're, you're t- taking this. In this, this sensible approach that's very important exactly very important you are, you are a pro athlete right? <laughs> well, well I say sensible approach with my soda stream I actually made sparkling wine with my soda I stream I saw that <laughs> you know we have a soda stream I didn't even know you could do that so you know yeah. I learned something new that day that was good to know just in case yeah thing you have to remember though when you make sparkling wine with a soda stream is when you normally when you do the water and you pump the gas in and then you can take the water bottle out straight away do not do that with oh. the wine oh, so you, you've got to, yeah yeah so you have to put the wine in the in the soda stream bottle put it in put the gas in and then leave it do not touch it for a good three or four minutes otherwise you have that podium explosion which is right. at these times is very much a waste <laughs> yes it is you know we don't we're not into waste no thank you no no, no. We, oh, yeah. we'll save that save that for the end of the year when we're hopefully all um back attending exactly. events yeah now Speaking about coaches, and you were talking about doing a ride on on Easter Friday. Uh, your new coach, Julie yes. Dibbon, Dibbo, uh, yes. great, great Dibbo. woman, love her to pieces. Um, is becoming a real, like she's becoming. Has got this amazing stable of athletes now, of which you are now a part. Um, but what a great coach that she's becoming. 
in a very, like, I'm sure she doesn't think it's a short amount of time, but really at the end of the day, she hasn't been coaching that long, but she just seems to be doing such a spectacular job. And and just goes about it in Devo's way of quite quiet, out the limelight, doesn't want kind of any of that, and yet is probably, I don't know, I don't know, is it... it I hope it's not. I don't know whether it's insulting or not to say probably one of the underrated coaches out there that doesn't yeah, necessarily no, get the kudos. But anyway, from yeah, she's had great results with athletes. Um, and I, oh, I, my, I don't have, there's probably a couple of regrets I have in life and I don't tend to have many regrets. And it, it's not, this isn't necessarily regrets I regret, but I wish I'd moved to her probably about 12 18 months ago um yeah. and that's nothing against like we had a I had a great relationship with Matt and he, we did um some fantastic things he took me from age grouper to where I was professional. as a professional mm-hmm. and we had some great results but just I think um the time was needed for a change um and I probably should have done it and now like having moved to Julie and the support that she's given me through the last few months of of in and that's that's the only thing that I find frustrating is we were literally just starting to get going and then it was yeah. about four or five weeks into training and just starting to see form and fitness coming and just started to get excited and I flipping went and decided to break my collarbone again um but the support that she's given me through that has been unreal and then like going out to Vegas for the camp and even being in Boulder and yeah I couldn't train and I was well I was training but I was on the, the indoor bike that's right yeah yeah doing yeah. things but not really not you know not training properly but just being out there with with Julie with the other with Katie and Caitlin who uh, like help her with the coaching and then with being with the squad and that sort of environment was just just brilliant and it just it's been really I don't think I would be getting through one injury and two current situation in the pretty good place that I am um if it wasn't if I wasn't with Julie yeah yeah Yeah. I I I can totally agree and look I remember seeing you for a while when you were questioning whether it was time and and I it's difficult though I don't think a lot of athletes don't realize it's a difficult thing when you have a relationship with one coach and it's it's got nothing to do with someone being right or wrong or otherwise just sometimes um, a coaching relationship runs its course. Uh, Sebastian yeah. Kinley, Sebastian Kinley, I'll be the first one to tell you that when he changed coaches and he didn't have a falling out with his old coach, it was just time to move on. I think we've all done it. I, I don't know a professional athlete that hasn't done it. And trying to find the perfect time, it's always going to be difficult. But the most important thing and, with you, Lawrence, you did it. You know, so yeah. And, and you know, the, the thing was, like, you know, I I I started my pro professional career with Matt. Um, he, you know, I've only ever had two coaches. I've had Spot Anderson and then I've had, <laughs> had, had Matt. Matt. And so I kind of like loyal, you know, when I'm with a coach, I'm loyal to them. And again, I, I you know, I got to that point of go. And again, like we both agreed it was time to move on and it's all amicable. I still chat to Matt and everything like that and have a lot of time and respect for him still. Um, but we both knew it was time for a change. And yeah. but the, the thing that I found hard was that, you know, I, I I am at the older end of the athlete scale, even though I still forget 
I still feel so new to the sport and I have to go actually you're not anymore but um I still feel <laughs> young yeah. new to the sport but yeah. I am one of the older athletes as well with getting into the sport late although I did hear that 2020 we're cancelling all birthdays so that's a good thing so I'm not oh, turning so, whatever was, age this year <laughs> I was the first one to sign that petition I'm yeah exactly I'm gonna sign it but um you know I got to that point where I was going well is it you know should I change because if I've only got a few years left as an athlete and I, I, I don't know you know I hope I still racing for a few more years especially especially now I want to get I want to actually get to Absolutely. be training properly with Julie and get to see what we can do um, and that's exciting but it was kind of like you know I, if I've only got a few years left is it worth making that transition to a new coach because you have to go through a whole nother it could take several months to get used to each other again and have I got time for that or should I just see things out with where I am but at the same time, there's that unknown of going, but if you don't move, you don't know what you're missing either. No, um, that's right. And so that was kind of that really hard decision. And also, I was wanting to be more face-to-face with a coach and be in a group environment. And I was prepared to move um, to coaches to do that. But the bolder thing, which is where Julie was, was a real sticking point for me. So... I was probably prepared to move a lot of places, but Boulder really was kind of where I didn't want to be. And I don't know whether that was just from um, the Boulder bubble almost and whether it was everybody was there or whether it was just having not had a great experience when I was in America the first time and whether that sort of scarred me and that sort of thing. Um, And so that was a real that kind of was a a stalling point in the conversations I was having with Julie because on my list of what I was looking for in a coach was to be face to face and mm. to be in a squad and yet and she was offering that but just in a place I didn't want to be so why um, why, why not Boulder because uh, you know for most triathletes Boulder is yeah. one of those places that you would absolutely want to go to yeah so well I mean I'd never been so I guess I couldn't really judge but what I think it was partly it was because everybody was there and yeah. I don't know whether that intimidates me or I don't like it or I do like to do things differently and be a bit of a a, from one extent a lone wolf even though I wanted to be in a squad and two I don't know whether like I said by the first few years when I'd moved to the states it wasn't a particularly good experience for me um Mm. and I appreciate that with San Francisco and a completely different environment but I think that had probably tarnished my view of being and living in America um and so that was kind of that struggle point of going, I'm not sure I want to be in bold. And also, you know, it was kind of like, yes, I'm prepared to move, but also I have a real, I'm just trying to, you know, I, I am so global and nomadic, but I've just kind of started this, getting this routine of six months in New Zealand, six months in Spain. And I have my sure. close friends and my network in Christchurch and I have my close friends and network in Girona and, again at the time of life do I want to be upping sticks and starting all that again and yeah all those things to think about but um you know it was a chance it it came to the point where I was about to lose the opportunity to work with Julie and I there wasn't really any other coach that stood out for me and I did talk to a few of the coaches and I have a lot of respect and, and I thank every one of those that gave me the time to talk to them and I know I would have been good with any of them but it was, it was just something that with Julie that resonated with me a bit more. Yeah. Um, but I was going to miss out on the chance if I didn't work out the Boulder situation. So we chatted and we said, like, yeah, let's start things 
there was no pressure to move to Boulder and I, I'm not you know as of now I, I'm not moving to Boulder but I have just come from three weeks in Boulder and absolutely loved it even though with the limiting limited training I could do and I, I mean I haven't even started to explore you know I think I did one ride outside and that was it and and what a couple of hiking stuff but I can't wait to get and everyone's gonna laugh at this as well as me can't as well as them all laughing that I'm now like an avid indoor trainer on the bike fan um, having always said that um second like things of how things would change I can't wait to get back to Boulder and I can't wait to get back to the squad and I can't wait to train with Julie face to face and just see what we can do and that's kind of what's exciting for me and keeping me going at the moment no look I understand it and and I I get I get where you're coming from with the whole boulder thing because sometimes you know when you know every man and his dogs there and triathlete in this case um but yeah I I spent two seasons training in boulder back in the day and and I love it and I'd love nothing more than to go back there it's been a long time since I've been there and I'm sure it's changed a lot since I was last there but um it is a very cool spot so hopefully I'll get back there this year well I need to go back now because I want to go and see what Tim and uh Rini's wine cellar's like oh oh (laughs) that's that's the main reason I want to go back let's be honest (laughs) I've already been given a free free invite back there for that and I haven't yet met Dibs' dogs and I haven't been to half the bakeries and the cafes yet that I need to go to let alone any of the other training and and also the I mean um I'm also working with Kate Ligler um, a strength coach and she's now based in Boulder so she's great work she's fantastic working virtually um and we started that I knew Kate when I was we were both living in San Francisco um but didn't work with her um but she's now moved to Boulder and then we started working together at the back end of last year, just, you know, virtually as a strength coach. Um, And so it was great being in Boulder and being able to like do sessions face to face with Kate and she's just absolutely awesome. So that's another, you know, another kind of plus that I've got to, yeah, yeah, to two of my coaching support networks there. Oh, very cool. Yeah. But don't don't worry, Vix, Nadine in Christchurch and everyone in Girona, I will still be coming and spending time there. You just you're just adding you're just adding one one more place to the list. That's all I right. know. I was I was starting to consolidate my sister was laughing as well. I was starting to consolidate all my stuff. Like, you know, so we call it shizzle, which is stands for shit that Sid left. And it's stuff that <laughs> I, I leave. It. stuff that I leave at various friends houses around the world so there was like some with friends in Sydney and then Nadine's got a load and Vic's now got a little bit where I live in Christchurch and then and then I was trying to consolidate it just to sort of New Zealand and then my mum and dad's back in the UK um but now like I left a few bits in in Boulder before I came back and then now I'm living at my sister's so it's crept over to my sister's house and it's all it's all expanding again she's all all over the place one more time I I think I I need to get t-shirts or something or key rings and give them to everyone who's got some shizzle (laughs) she's got the shizzle (laughs) that's hilarious now listen just for just for our uh, listeners you talked about uh, a broken wing your broken collarbone can you just go through that again because you obviously broke it (laughs) twice yes once once wasn't enough for you Sid was it so you decided no no Um, I I always like to do things properly yeah (laughs) Just take us, how did, how did you do it the first time? Let's go back to the original break. The first time, so 
all well just shy of 12 months ago so I was I'd just done my transition from southern hemisphere to northern hemisphere come off the back of Ironman Australia and I normally that's like my last race and then I moved to Girona for the summer in the northern hemisphere so I'd head to Girona I'd had a, a bit of a week off mum and dad had been over for a few days with friends which is fantastic and I was on my first training ride back it was six weeks to Roth. I was pumped. I'd got felt in a good place. I was excited. It was Roth again. And I was sort of on a four hour ride out on the coast. Um, came, got sort of partway through the ride. It just got super, super windy. And, uh, and like, again, people laugh because I always say how I love the wind and I love racing in the wind. <laughs> and it got, <laughs> it got crazy windy. And, and I mean, so that, and okay, people were probably telling me this, but when I spoke to people afterwards, they said, no, we were in cafes in the street and the bikes were getting blown down the street. Oh, it no. was that kind of Anyway, serious came round ra- yeah, a corner on my bike on the coast, just got taken out on the wind, properly like dumped on the floor, broke my right collarbone, didn't have any other, pretty much no other scratch, no other mark on me, just straight on that collarbone. Um, so that was end of May last year. Um, in Girona had some uh, and so got it plated pretty quickly three days later which is fantastic massive thanks to Dave and Saskia from Bike Breaks in Girona who very much helped get deal with that scenario because it's funny when you it's great living in all these other places and it's great mm. while everything goes well but suddenly when things go wrong and you don't speak the language, language it's, it's very difficult oh yeah daunting. I can imagine anyway, so yeah so got it got it plated um end of may last year and then just started that long road to rehab um then and um well uh, long another story i mean i don't think i ever really got back for whatever reasons we just didn't get back to a great place last year and i think that was probably a lot of the the relationships and other things that were going on at the time Anyway, but decided then in December, um, all it, it sh- the, the x-rays I'd had throughout the year had shown it had healed. I spoke to the surgeon and he was happy to remove the plate for me because it wasn't causing me any issues. But I think right. I was kind of thinking I'd not I, I'd, I was I'd lost so much time in the swim and we couldn't get that. Like for some reason, I was six to eight minutes slower in an iron, iron distance swim yeah. than I had been yeah. before the break. And look, there's loads of reasons for that. But I was kind of half putting it to the, on the break. And it was just, you know, as when you've got a piece of metal in there, it, it was just more sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Be. And yeah. yeah. And so I had this opportunity with it being December and over Christmas. I was going home for Christmas. So I wouldn't be doing much, you know, I was having a bit of a break anyway. And the surgeon was happy that it healed and stuff. So he was like, yeah, we can take it out. So December... Uh, 18th I well flew from yeah challenge Daytona straight to Barcelona landed in the morning went in in the afternoon and had the surgery to take it out and that was all great he was super happy and it had gone well and then you know spent a couple of you know pretty chilled over Christmas mm-hmm. um, with family at home uh, got back to New Zealand and then sort of started building up the training early January and again started really steady with the shoulder and that sort of thing and yeah all was going well we sort of was just starting to get ramp it up and again you know it was sort of my first few weeks with Julie properly 
um and just starting to see the fitness was just starting to come back and see a few glimmers of form and the swimming actually was going really well um which yeah. is always something I never normally say and I literally woke up it was the 2nd of February woke up in bed lying on my right hand shoulder in pain and it painful as in it woke me up and I was like mm. oh that's a bit that's kind of pretty doesn't feel very good um and it had been a bit my shoulder had been a bit achy in the mornings when I woke up but then mm. I'd get up and it would loosen off and once you moved around of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah which you, you sort of expect you would expect yeah. that yeah yeah totally you know I was still kind of not very long from surgery but this was kind of a sickly pain where I was like yeah. oh that does not feel good um and got up and of course I had a run to do that day so I was like right just get get out on your run and see if it eases as we do as triathletes um and I literally I so I struggled to get dressed because obviously I suddenly couldn't I could not move my shoulder at all without it just making me want to vomit oh, um so got dressed went for a run and got about like 200 meters down the road and went this is not happening turned around walked back bawling my eyes out <laughs> kind of thing um but then still did the whole thing that day of going, it'll just ease up. It's just muscle, rah, rah. Went to the hospital in the end. They looked at it movement-wise, said, yep, yeah, it's just muscle. You haven't done anything. And wow. Went home, woke up on Monday, and I was like, do you know what? I'm still, I'm not convinced about this. Went yeah. back to the hospital, forced, almost had to force them to do an X-ray. Um, they did the x-rays the x-rays still came back and they said yep yep there's no nothing wrong there you haven't broken it um, it's just muscle damage we'll book you into the soft tissue clinic and again this is like three weeks time and I'm like uh, no need to do this now athletes this is my <laughs> you know this is my life <laughs> um, and then it was only through um, actually through Scott Molina who I believe is stuck in Noosa at the moment um, he, he is indeed <laughs> Yeah, although not a bad place to be stuck. Um, no, he's, he's not upset it, at all. <laughs> yeah, um, but it was through through Scott that he's had a good contact who is a shoulder specialist, and he went online and looked at my X-rays, and then you know within the hour rang back and sort of said, "No, are you sitting down? Um, no, you've got a stress fracture through wow. the through the, the bone." Wow. Um, so, which was a bit of a, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess. Look, it it probably obviously explained while I was in why I was in so much pain. Mm. So I guess it was good to know that there was a reason behind it. And then if, although I would have, I don't know, muscle soreness. I don't know. Maybe it would have been a better option. Um, but then the the advice I had at the time, them talking through things, was to let it heal naturally this time. So you know, you just had it plated. This time, you probably should just let it heal. It's showing some early signs of healing um and you, you know and he and we were talking he was like it's probably only four weeks that it's going to sort of take before you might be able to be back doing things and, and that sort of thing so with those time frames and everything like that I was like okay I think you know let's do this rather than having operated again surgery again yeah for a yeah. third time yeah yeah. It, it, yeah exactly so obviously I was in a sling and um and then just yeah I mean, the first week I couldn't do anything anyway because it just, just was so painful. But then, you know, slowly got back on the bike, but very much sitting upright and that sort of thing. 
flew out to Ve- decided to still go out to Vegas because I wanted to meet Julie and actually spend time with her. And so we were going to carry on with all those plans. And I, also I thought it's better to be in that environment as I'm rehabbing. Yeah. So went out there, was sort of doing all the training I could, keeping it immobilized, doing all the right thing. And I don't know, I, I guess I just got uh, well, I then was sort of trying to speak to the surgeon and find out when I could next, you know, what the timelines were for doing things. Um, suddenly he kind of came back and blew blew things out to, oh, it's six to eight weeks before you can do anything. And I was like, whoa, Ooh, hang on a minute. On. We're talking, hold on. We're talking yeah, four. Yeah, we're talking four. And that was kind of manageable to me for, for racing or, or getting back to racing. And now suddenly it's blown out. Um Anyway, we carried on. And then when I got to Boulder, we thought, right, let's just go and get a get an X-ray now. It's about four or five weeks. See how it's progressing. Yeah. See how it's progressing. And also then, can we get back to running? Can we get, when can we start swimming? That sort of thing. So I went to get, went to uh, get, get a, and this is the thing about Julie. She came with me to this appointment. So went to the specialist and had an ultrasound uh, and Julie was there and then went to get a CT scan. And it basically showed that the bone was not healing. Mm. Um, it was 13 millimeters misaligned and there was a four millimeter gap still between the bones. Um, and there's mm. a lot of callus forming and again not the news you want to hear because you kind of feel I've just wasted five weeks of this time when I could have had this done earlier and you know they the 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 specialist there was saying look yeah you could wait you could wait another three months and it could heal properly and it could sort itself out or you could be in no different position than you are today um and you know, I think I'd probably known the last few weeks that something wasn't right because I was still getting a lot of movement and clicking. And yeah. even Kate, like Kate, like when I did gym sessions, she was like, um, she would either be feeling my shoulder or could just hear it moving. And she was like, yeah. uh, can you hear that? Feel that? And, and it wasn't painful. So this was the thing. No, I wasn't no. getting any pain. And even like the specialists and stuff when he was prodding around and, and playing with it. And he was like, um, that that shouldn't really be happening, that amount of movement and clicking and that sort of thing. He's like, that's not really ideal. I was like, no, no shit, Sherlock. It's yeah. not ideal at all. <laughs> exactly. um, oh, no. So, yeah. So then we got to the point of going, right, you now need to get it replated. And this is where we started going, oh. OK, do we? Do we get it replated in the US where I am now? And then I do I? And this was before the world really kicked off with coronavirus so it was like do I stay in the US get it plated here then stay here do my rehab with Julie with Kate everything Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. do I fly back to Spain get it done by the surgeon there do I fly to New Zealand and get it done there even do I go to the UK and get it done so we're trying to weigh up all these options and costs and and stuff like that because of course I don't have health insurance or anything like that this is out of pocket which then actually it worked out that if you pay in cash in the US, they'll probably get you in pretty quickly. And it's got actually no different in price than a flight ticket back to Spain or New Zealand, plus the cost oh. of surgery. Okay. Um, turns out that the US didn't necessarily want my money as I thought they would. And so we were struggling to from the initial calls of going, yeah, we can get you in within like the next week, which I was like, brilliant. At least don't need to wait any longer. Let's get this sorted. 
that went out to oh it's going to be the 23rd of April and I was like oh. uh no, not 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 and th- again like I said this was before coronavirus really sort of kicked in so I was like no I can't wait another five weeks and so then we searched around for another surgeon etc cetera, etc cetera, found a surgeon managed to get in there and literally the day after I had surgery um in Boulder they closed all surgery because then it started becoming this race against time because Mm. then coronavirus did kick off and like like I said flights to Spain and all that was shut down and then I couldn't get back to New Zealand anyway and then were they going to close surgeries for non-emergencies so it was then like heck I actually need to get an appointment before and get this done before things do do close down so yeah anyway so managed to get in had it replated in boulder the next day that clinic closed to all non non-critical activities um and at that point the plan was still to stay in boulder and rehab there still um and just uh, and ride things out and just yeah again use the network i'd got there and the the friends david ezra who are staying with were absolutely fantastic they was like yep you can just stay you know initially two and a half weeks but now it was like you can stay as long as you need to me too yeah um and then a few days after surgery came out and I was obviously then we're all sort of in stay at home state anyway and I was trying to stay at home and stay low key with just immune system being extra low because of surgery Mm, and all that stress that's right yeah yeah and then but then suddenly like the calls came out that like you should probably any UK national should probably try and get back try to the UK. Home. Yeah, yeah. Borders are all being shutting. I was on a ESTA visa now because my athlete visa expired last year, and because I didn't think I was ever going to be in the states for that very long, I let that expire. Let that go. So yeah. I was in the ESTA, which meant I had, and I'd been there a month already, so I had two months left, which normally would have been fine. But suddenly we're like, well, who knows if you can leave in two months' time? Um. And so you probably should look to get out now while you can, because you don't want to mess around with US visas. If you get overstay your day, you're probably never coming back anyway and couldn't get. Yeah. So then it was a bit of a check of going, right, well, am I in a fit? Can I fly? Was the surgeon happy for me to fly? Can I get a flight? I'm going back to the UK. Because how long when was that post, I... post-surgery that you actually got well, on flight back to the UK? Uh, uh, eight days eight days wow okay so so I had surgery on the a Monday and the surgeon wanted to see me in two weeks time to do the mm-hmm. checkup and x-ray and in fact we pushed it forward and he saw me um on the eighth day so the following tu- a week Tuesday after surgery I went in had it x-rayed had him check it all and then Tuesday afternoon I was on a flight back to London flight back home <laughs> It's oh, also like perfectly timed. That, like, I'd booked the flights to, and also at this time now they'd restricted which airports you could fly out of to the UK. So it was only Dallas. So I had to get a flight from Denver to Dallas, Dallas to London. That was all fine. And then on like the Monday before I was due to travel and have the checkup on the Tuesday, I suddenly got all these emails saying we've cancelled your Denver Dallas flight, and I was like, ah. oh my god, now what happened? I gonna have to get in a car and drive to Dallas and and in the end they rebooked me all which was fine there was just a time lag of getting through the rebooking system from sending the initial email out to say that they'd cancelled the flight oh, but just so much so much stress you know I just oh I, I mean sur- going through surgery for the third time oh. is stressful <laughs> enough but then having to deal with all the other 
stuff that went with it. It's just, it's insane. You must have got to the UK and just, just like yeah. a huge well, weight would have been released. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, this flight itself was, I was quite, I, you know, obviously I fly a lot. That's no, no um, secret. But I was quite nervous about this flight just because of everything else that was going on and, and that unknown. And, and um, you know, you suddenly packed on a plane with loads of people and I have just had surgery and all of that. But um yeah, the other thing, like with the surgery as well, like going in it for the third time in less than twelve months, was that also America do things. America do things very differently. Like with Spain, I'd gone in the day before to see the surgeon, and I'd gone and had blood tests. Then I'd go in, and they'd keep me in overnight, and then you'd get released the next day. Here it was like, yep, turn up nine o'clock Monday morning. We'll take you'll do have surgery at eleven. It'll be less than an hour. You'll be out by twelve. You'll probably be awake by one. We'll be releasing you by half one. <laughs> I was like, what was that? <laughs> he, was, he, was he was giving me the drugs that I'm going to need for the next few days, and wow. um, and it was quite funny because um, like, and then it means you have to have someone with you like Dave you have to have a driver to obviously get you home so Dave bless him um came and I was late going into surgery so I didn't go until about 12 and then again I must have come out one-ish and then I think the first time I woke up it was half one and it was really weird because I know I knew I knew that it it wasn't like they were kicking you out there was no pressure to get you out there but I was obviously subconscious, like, or not sub- I was obviously conscious in my head that I had to wake up from the anesthetic and I had to get myself in a place where I was awake. And, and get out of there. The get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember waking up the first time and like talking to them and having this conversation. But then I have obviously like passed out again for another like few hours. And Dave said, he's like, so in the waiting room where he was, they had, I guess, like an airport arrival board or a departure board where it had the patient's name and then it showed you what state of surgery they were in. And so it had gone green to say I was out of surgery, but then it just like stayed green for like several hours as I was obviously sort of going still in and out of consciousness, but, you know, still being aware every time I woke up, like I've got to wake up, you've got to wake up, Laura, you've got to get, you've got to stay awake this time. Don't let, you know, don't let the drugs that send you back to sleep. You've got to get out of here. And they also had um, like you'd, I had a, a, a oxygen pipe in my nose and things like that. And obviously they're taking your blood pressure and your heart rate and that you hooked up to a machine. And the nurse came and she said, oh, I think we don't, we don't think we need that oxygen in your nose anymore. I was like, no, cool. That's fine. And then as I'm laying there, I just kept hearing this alarm going off on the machine behind me. And I would look over my shoulder and one of it was heart rate. And that kept every time it dropped below 40, that would set enough alarm but I always kind of wasn't too bothered worried about that because you know resting heart rates for athletes it's yeah, probably around there anyway for me That's so right. that but the other one was your oxygen and that kept mm-hmm. dropping and going an alarm and after about four times it had done that the nurse came back and she said um I think I think we might put this uh, this oxygen put tube oxygen back, back on. Your nose. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like yes yes please thank you <laughs> I'd like to breathe <laughs> We don't need that. Oh, yeah. God. But can are you, is everything on the right track now as, as far as the shoulder's concerned? 
Oh gosh. I mean, who knows with me and my shoulder? Um, I hope so. I, I think so. I'm back. Like again, Julie's been great. So I'm back. I'm now what we're coming up to three weeks post-surgery. Yeah. Um, I, I've been back on the bike. Um, I've been back running. I've got no pain and that sort of thing. Right. I'm back right. doing my, doing rehab and stuff like that. I would like to get some physio treatment on it and I'm you know I'm in post-surgery so officially I probably can get physio but it's just hard in current climate to know if that's the right thing to do um you know I'm working with a physio on Skype remotely but it's not the same as getting someone looking at that scar tissue and and that sort of thing and and the tightness of the muscle yeah yeah so and you know and and if all things were in in a good place I would be back in the pool now the surgeon would had cleared me to do that and so I could be back swimming but obviously nobody is anyway and or very few very few so but yeah and I guess that's why it's also this time is a bit different for me because I'm coming back from injury so every day is just I'm still seeing I, I am on those improvements and I'm getting fitness back and um, good like, feeling. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's made a huge difference. So yeah, so but yeah, touch touch wood. <laughs> um continues in the same in the same yeah, way. It's okay. And I've got um I did speak to the doctor here in the UK and just said, Hey, look, what's the uh, this is what's happened, this is what's I need to, I'll need to get an x-ray in another few weeks. How do I go about that with current things? And she said, no, that's all still going on. You, you're considered post-surgery. You're considered that that needs to get done. So, yeah, we'll Good. book you in and, and fingers crossed that all, wait, that all goes through. I mean, I mean that's oh, another three weeks. Who knows what's going to happen between Well, this is true. Yeah, no one knows. That's right. I'm, I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on by, by like every second by day. day. I, and morning to afternoon, I know. And, oh, and look, I know. You know. Crazy. A lot of people have said um oh but you know aren't you lucky then it's it's the best time to be injured yes and uh, no there's no good time to be injured let's just no. put it out there <laughs> it's always injury suck under any circumstances whatever time of year or whatever is happening in the world um but yes it does mean that I do not feel oh I, I, yeah I want to get back to fitness I want to be smashing out training you know not smashing out but I want to be doing training sessions where I feel in form and I just feel fit sort of thing but that yeah, the, yeah the, the thing is I don't I don't need to necessarily I, I can take take it easy or do it properly um not rushing. I don't need there's no rush to get back yeah. there um which and, and again Julie has been great in that in terms of very much keeping me <laughs> keeping me in check even like she sends me out on a walk and she's like stop walking so fast <laughs> <laughs> But we were talking before, Laura, I think it's a really important message that you're giving now and it's great that you've recognised you are injured and often as athletes we can't help ourselves and most of us when we get injured do go back too quickly, too much too soon and we end up with another injury or another niggle somewhere else. So this is sort of forcing you to do it correctly. But I also think for all the athletes out there, whether they be professional athletes or age group athletes, this is a perfect time just to for maintenance you don't want to be out there doing those like you said those crazy sessions where you're smashing yourself and and compromising your immune system right now I think as athletes we're always fit don't you like how I keep I I put myself in the in the athletes section even though I've been (laughs) retired for six or seven years oh come on you're f45 (laughs) you're more pro than most of us ridiculous But you know what I mean. Like I think we yeah. we know how to look after ourselves. We know how to be fit and healthy. We do it every day of our lives, you know, for most of the year. Um, but I think it's most important 
thing for all of us now is to make sure that we're fit and healthy but not to start sliding down that other side where we start doing things that will compromise our immune system. Totally. And look, like, because there's a few things there. One, health, sport and activity is good. One, mental health in this time, but also that physical health. And Mm -hmm. it does some level of activity and exercise helps our immune system. But as soon as you go too much, too far, it starts compromising your immune system. And at the moment, with what's going on, that we do not want that you do not want to have a compromised immune system so that one that's one reason why you do not need to be smashing out stupid ridiculously hard sessions and the other reason is there's no way you can maintain like and this is coming from someone who raced you know raced a lot yeah 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 there is no way you can maintain that and we don't know when the end point of this is coming so why are you trying to make, and a lot of athletes, oh, I don't want to lose what I've done over the last five months or whatever it is. And it's mm. like, well, you won't. You just need to back off and tick along for a little while. And then yeah. when things, you know, it's it's not going to be like we wake up tomorrow and the world goes, oh, yeah, we're fine. We're solved. We're, the world's open again. Race yep. back on. And like suddenly <laughs> yeah. there's a race next yeah. weekend. It's yeah, going to no. take several months anyway. So you're going to yeah. have time to get back up to, get to it. And, That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think the other thing that I've realized is, and it's interesting, like listening to David McNamee talk on a few podcasts as well. And, you know, he is in complete shutdown, obviously, like we said, he's in Girona. And okay, it might change if this changes in the UK and I have to be, like I said, I'm not very good. I have a treadmill, but I'm not very good on a treadmill runner. So, but I might have to get used to that very quickly. And that I think I probably will struggle a bit with that at the moment. I can still get out and run, but I am on the bike indoors. And I'm just loving it just makes me it's gone back to making me realize why I do the sport like I'm yeah, loving just love yeah yeah I yeah, it's, yeah I want to race yeah do not get me wrong I can't wait to get you know I can't wait to get to Roth in 2021 I can't especially having missed it last year with the collarbone yes like, yes yes you have yeah and also with and with Julie and I can't wait I'm excited about what that holds and I can't wait to get back on a start line for sure. But at the moment, it's like, actually, I'm just, you know, and again, people will laugh. I don't, not all the time, but I'm quite enjoying doing an indoor bike session and being on Zwift because it's actually working at things that I don't, that that you nec- that sometimes with outside riding you don't often get to work on no. and you know and and there are little challenges and there's you know you're trying to get to the next level on Zwift or you want to unlock a different bit of kit and stuff and you know there's things that keep it interested or you can do you know you can st- like I'm going to do Monday afternoon I've got an easy hour recovery spin I'm going to send that out on social media and say look if anyone wants to join me with just it's super low-key you can all stay we can all stay together which is a function they have we're gonna have a chit chat you know and it's open to friends and then there's other workouts that I'm gonna do throughout the week and stuff and and I'm actually loving that and loving being in the gym and yes I'm missing swimming which is again another thing I thought I would never hear myself saying (laughs) and I did consider and I did consider panic buying an endless pool not that I could afford it but I did consider it and I'm going to be looking at ways I can maybe get a paddling pool in the garden and things like that or um and that sort of thing but yeah I think just with the injury and you know I'd still be coming back from injury anyway and just yeah learning different things about myself and yeah it's not glamorous and I and I never said 
you know, I've always been one that said, if I have to do all my training on an indoor bike, I'm going to quit the sport because that's not why I do the sport. Well, I love do. riding that's my right. bike outside and that's, and, and riding outside and seeing places and seeing that. And, and yeah, and I, and that is still very much the case, but it actually made me realize that I actually am okay at riding indoors yeah. because that's my option at the moment. And that's what I'm choosing to do. Um, yes, I could be riding outside, but I've decided I don't want to do that, partly with the shoulder at the moment, but partly in the circumstances. And I use at the moment my one form of exercise to be my run outside because yeah. that's a lot better. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with, with training inside. And yeah, can't wait to get outside. I can't wait to get back training fully, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. And, and I think that goes around a lot to again Julie and friends and and the support that you're getting from you from get people yeah yeah now look talking about Roth um you just brought it up before you missed it last year because of the injury now of course uh, with the recent announcement that it has been cancelled for 2020 um you're going to miss it again I mean obviously you knew that the announcement was coming but when you actually did when it was officially made so when Felix actually did make that announcement um bit of a heavy heart yeah yeah I mean yes just because yeah I knew that I mean I knew it was especially when they cancelled the Olympics like you're not gonna, you know okay Roth isn't the size of the Olympics but it's a flipping big race and it's a big race that's right, um, yeah. you just knew with everything going on in Europe it probably wasn't going to happen now um but yeah it uh, that does so I kind of expected it but it didn't make it any easier and um and more you just feel heavy-hearted for Felix and and team. the team in Roth yeah. because yeah. it's their one race a year and yeah it's mm. a massive race for them and it's a massive race for the town um but it's such a family friendly welcoming event and like I know yeah I know all I know everyone on that team there and I know them all as friends and so yeah it's hard to see it from that perspective of seeing what it means to them and how much it, it hurts them and the loss and the decisions they've had to go through to get to this place. Oh, couldn't um, imagine. And then, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. And just, but then the, you know, what they're doing, I think is incredible and I have a lot of respect for Roth and everyone I've spoken to who don't know Felix and the team as well have just been so impressive and like, it just makes us want to race it more um, and things like that. But yeah, it's just, it's sad to see it when you know the people involved behind the scenes but I can tell you and you know this as well as I yeah. 2021 if you're not on that you list oh. you're gonna miss out because it's gonna <laughs> be absolutely mental oh it so, will be crazy yeah. it will be crazy no I'm already I'm already well as I said I already tried to rebook my flight for next year but of course Qantas won't let me book any more than a year ahead so early. I'm gonna have yeah. to I'm too early so I'm gonna have well, to wait this, for that one this, <laughs> you know this is a crazy thing about Roth like as soon as it was announced my homestay was on who is family you know and yeah, she yeah. was on messenger to me going oh it's so sad but let's catch up over Skype and she's constantly telling me what's going on in the family and we keep in touch and she's already like you're in for next you know of course I'm in for next year with her because she wouldn't let me stay anywhere else no, in the world right. anyway she disowned me but it's yeah it's all that sort of thing that you just yeah it, it's a real shame but um you know I think I've got a lot of respect almost more now for how they've handled it, how they've communicated with people, yeah. how yeah. they interact with the triathlon community. Um, 
I'd love to know German a bit more because I think there's been probably more coming out in German than German with the, than uh, English, again around right. it yeah, than yeah, English. Yeah. But I think that's all. It's all been positive, and and also you just want to see the people, don't you? Like we always you have, you know, yeah. Like last fifteen years, last year, I've been going. It's yeah, just and you weird. would go back, and like you walk down the street, and everyone comes up to you, and you know that you know the same people that have seen you every year for the last fifteen years, and okay. it's just great catching up with people when you're there and seeing yeah. seeing the team as well as the athletes and stuff and then the race is almost like the, <laughs> the, well, it's just the, so, it's, the, the weirdest thing for me right now is we are in the beginning of April so it's April and Roth isn't till July yeah. and I don't think it's really going to hit because no one even knows what the hell is going to be going on in July I mean obviously life's not going to be normal but I, I just I'm assuming I'm going to still be here in Australia stuck here um not even allowed yeah, yeah. to go anywhere, um, then that think that's when it's going to really hit home that things are really we, different. We need to do a – we need to do a – depending where we are, and I'm assuming, like you said, we're all going to be stuck. I'm going to be in the UK. You're going to be over there. Vix is in New Zealand. Felix and that lot are in – we should organise some party virtual – A big virtual Zoom party. Sky, Love it. Zoom, whether we <laughs> – get on our bikes and ride for a bit and then we all crack open table but we could do a virtual table running table run oh my gosh yeah the table run those that don't know what we're talking about when we talk about the table run it's um the after party of, of roth uh, felix the owner of, of roth the race director for challenge roth does a table run and and we can't say much more than that can we if you want it if you want to learn more you have to come to roth and see it if you want to learn, you have to come to Roth and see it. But I can tell you, it is the biggest race of the weekend. Oh, it ages me 50 years every time I watch it. What are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. No, that's just, that's just your partying afterwards oh, and coming yeah, in at 4 a.m. the next day. Don't give away my secrets. I'm not this year. I'm not drinking this year. I'm not going out this year. <laughs> every I've time. Failed. I've failed every year. Every year. Um, my homestay home home give me so much grief the next day. They laugh and they give me grief for the entire day because I, every year I say the same thing. I'll be home before you, midnight. <laughs> yeah, mid, mid, midnight of the following day. <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Now, Laura, a lot of our, our listeners out there don't realise, well, some do, of course, but that you are an official Challenger Family Ambassador and you have been for quite a while now. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that and um, what it means to you to be a, an, an official Challenge Family Ambassador. Yeah, gosh, I think it has been about four, maybe five years now. Mm -hmm. um, I think... So, yeah, first Kate, when I started coming over to Europe to race, so that was basically off the back, I think, of sort of doing my first challenge, Roth, all those years ago, and then just loving Europe and wanting to be based there and then looking at races, and there was such a huge array of challenge races in Europe and just in in good, fantastic, good spots. Yeah, yeah, good places. stunning, <laughs> stunning places that you just go, I want to go there, and, and different courses. So just because they're in unique locations, just challenging or not even challenging, but just stunning courses. And so, yeah, just ended up doing, wanting to do a load of the races and through um, working with, you know, getting to know you and getting to know the race directors and that just developed this relationship and thought we could do something a bit more. So it's been really cool to, and, and pretty proud to represent the brand because I, love what they are doing and what they're trying to do in turn you know it's it's like I said all the races are in 
pretty incredible places. They're all different. They're all unique. There's got something you, you can't go to one race and go and, and you know, it's challenge, but it's not like any other challenge race in the, in the, on the calendar. Cause they're mm. all so different. And, but there's a real, every race you go to has a real friendly, welcoming, welcoming vibe. And it doesn't matter who you are, what level pro you are, um, what age group you are, whether you're on your own or with family, just everyone is made to feel so welcome. And it's just something that I think resonated with me and I've just really enjoyed getting to know the race directors and the challenge family team a bit more over the years and yeah just being able to I guess yeah work with them and promote the races that I that I genuinely love um yeah. and so that's been that's been really cool and very grateful and for that for the opportunity as well well I know they love you just equally as much that's for sure and you've got a few other ambassadors working underneath you this year as well Yep, yep. So we've got a pretty big, I think there's uh, uh, four four of us this year. Have I got everyone? So we've got Steve, no, five of us, isn't there? So there's Steve McKenna, Radka, Pablo, um, and then Kieran. Oh, that's right. Kieran Lindersy, of course, of course. And then we've also yeah. got the uh, Challenge Family Age Group Ambassadors the Program group as well, ambassadors. which is a very cool initiative. I'm, I love that. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of yeah, I mean, that just stands for what, you know, some of the races do it anyway already and they have some age group teams right, and, and things like that, which I think is great. But um, it's fantastic to see Challenge do that as a whole this year. And OK, look, we're not maybe not racing, but I think there's a big thing there about community and um, that you still got that connection and uh, involvement with a group of people who have the same passion as you do. Um, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, listen, my lovely, it has been absolutely wonderful talking to you tonight, 7pm uh, here now, and I've run out of wine, so, and I'm upstairs, <laughs> so say, I'm sorry. This is, why, this is why the call stopped, because you need to go refill. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you, but you know what, you and I are always, one thing that you and I, with our, with our friendship, we've always been very, very honest with each other, it works both ways. So, you know, I could have made up something that that my husband, Justin, had dinner ready, waiting for me downstairs, but that would be a lie. Uh, but the real reason is my glass of wine that I came upstairs here with has gone and I do need a refill. <laughs> I mean, that was, come on, that was poor planning because you knew this was going to be it a short hey, I, the, whole I, bottle, the whole bottle should have come I take this. I take this job very professionally, Laura, and, you know, I, I didn't want to have the whole bottle up here. Uh, the last thing our listeners here need to hear is me drunk on the other end asking questions. <laughs> Dr drunk Belinda. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that, that's not a good look. We'll save that just for the after parties, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, listen, it has been an absolute pleasure, as always. I mean, you and I could probably keep talking for another oh. couple of hours, let's be honest. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll leave it here. Um, we will definitely be checking in with you again in a, in a couple of months' time just to see how that shoulder's going, see if you've been able to get to a swimming pool, if they've allowed that, that yeah. little activity to, to start back in the world again. Um, but great talking to you. Take care. And um, we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Belinda. No, it's been great fun, as always, catching up. Um, it's, yeah, it's morning here, so I would have been on the wine for sure, or the gin and tonics <laughs> joining you. I was on the coffee, and, uh, yeah, now I'm going to go and, and jump on the bike for a couple of hours. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I look no, forward to catching up. And, uh, yeah, stay healthy and safe, and to everyone else out there as well. Thanks, Laura. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to Coffee Calls with Belinda. I really hope you enjoyed listening. If you'd like to continue listening and stay updated on our latest podcasts, then please subscribe. It would also be great if you could rate our podcast and leave us a review. If you have any specific questions you'd like me to ask the athletes, then please send through to the following email address, podcast at challenge-family.com. The making of these podcasts would not be possible without the wonderful help of our great partners, Powerbar, Otso, Zone 3, Lubos Billick at LB Training, Sport No Limit Group and Velosop. But for now, thanks so much for listening and I'll be back soon for another coffee.